I'm John. And I'm John. We're classically trained conductors who are also working theater music directors. Each week, we'll tell you a little bit about shows we enjoy and why you should check them out if you haven't yet. This is Musical Minutes with John and John. Hi, John. How are you today? I'm doing well. I'm really excited about today's episode. Uh, You want to go ahead and set it up? Let's dive in. Today we have another interview, and I'm so happy to be joined by my friend Kelsey Tippins. Kelsey is a stage manager, and I'm just going to go ahead and start right there and say, Kelsey, welcome. What the hell is a stage manager? (laughs) That's an excellent question. And you know, it's so hard to put into words sometimes. A stage manager is responsible for the artistic integrity of the production, um, as well as everything from scheduling to running rehearsals to coordinating with all the different departments facilitating that communication between the director and the designers um, running on it in a touring capacity making sure the show moves from city to city um, advancing and working on all the logistics of that it seems to me that you have one of the hardest jobs of any show because you really the stage managers are the people who make sure that everything actually functions. I love that you said being responsible for the artistic integrity of the show, because that's that's absolutely it. I mean, everything either works or doesn't work because the stage manager nails their job or doesn't. And it's, it's one of those things that I think people just largely are probably unaware of exactly how important you guys are to the whole success of a show like this. You know, I've heard um, one of my professors used to call the stage manager the glue just trying to, you know, hold all the pieces together and work with all the different departments and, you know, make it, make it function, make it run. And I should say it's generally, there are a a team of stage managers on any given show, right? Yes. So usually on a, on a large scale musical, you'll have a production stage manager and likely two assistants, sometimes three, um, sometimes on a smaller play, you'll have a state, a production stage manager and one assistant. So uh, talk to us a little bit, like what are some of the differences between being the production stage manager versus the assistant? Well, first I'll say that it's it's one stage management team. So a lot of the duties overlap. Um, it's essentially three people trying to manage the same, the same show in the same way. Um, the PSM is responsible for everything all of the artistic integrity and sort of then will delegate to the assistants various tasks um, to help to help them facilitate all the chaos. Um, largely the production stage manager will call the show, at least initially, and the assistant stage managers will help run the deck. Um, in a touring capacity, that means teaching our brand new local crew in every city, um, you know, the ways to run the run the deck. And then once we get into a run, the assistants will switch off calling the show and running the deck and the production stage manager will get to go out into the house and take notes on the production, um, work in the office on various paperwork, you know, but largely it's, it's all three of the members of the team functioning in the same way, working towards the same goal. You mentioned calling the show. I know us three know what that is, but for our listeners who have no idea what that actually is. Can you explain what calling a show means? Sure. 
calling a show is, is kind of like being the conductor, either in a musical capacity or, or conducting a train. Um, you are responsible for telling everyone when to do various things, such as you're responsible for telling the lightboard operator when to take the light cues. You're responsible for telling the, the fly rail when to move the scenic pieces, telling the deck crew when to move the automated scenery or the, the deck scenery. And you're orchestrating all of this and trying to make it look musical. You're trying to be in sync with the conductor of the production and trying to make everything move seamlessly so that it all just, just flows. Um, you have a series of cameras to help you do this, a series of, um, I have infrared so I can see in the, in the blackouts, um, a color camera so I can see from the front, some overhead cameras so I can watch everything from above. Um, obviously a conductor camera, so I can, I can watch the conductor the whole time. Um, and you're responsible for not only trying to make the show look artful and beautiful, but also keeping everybody safe. So that if, you know, if someone doesn't hit their mark, you know that you can't move that piece of scenery because squish, <laughs> as we like to say. <laughs> you can't take that cue because, you know, because X, Y, Z, or, or we have to call that light cue early because that actor moved to a different position sooner than they normally would so they're in the dark so it's stuff like that you make it sound so elegant and easy i i have frequently been an assistant conductor standing backstage near calling stage managers and it is just mind-blowing to me how on top of things you have to be and how you have to have your attention split in so many different ways, watching the conductor, watching what's happening on stage, keeping up with your book and, and not only telling people to go for their cues for the sound and the lights and, and all of those things, but also warning them that things are coming up. I mean, that I have seen stage managers go through shows where they're basically talking and preparing things nonstop. And it is always just so impressive to me. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's definitely one of my favorite parts of the job for sure, just because it, it feels, um, it's artistic, you know, it's, it's scheduled and it's planned, but it's also, there's a lot of art to it because it's live theater and things are changing all the time. Absolutely. So we should back up a little bit and I should ask, how did you come to be interested in stage managing? Well, my dad was a drummer. Um, and okay. so as a kid, you know, it was easier than getting a babysitter to just tag along to all of his gigs. So I grew up around music. Um, and when he would play in the pit of theater shows, that was always my favorite gig to attend and to watch. So I fell in love with theater that way. Um, I did performing, I say that in big quotes, performing in middle school. Um, and then I went to a performing arts high school in Jacksonville, Florida, that actually lets you have a major in the arts. And my major was theater. And through that program, I discovered directing and I discovered stage management. And it just sort of was like all the light bulbs just went off that this was a way I could do the art form that I love in a way that I'm good at, you know, in a way that that feeds my scheduling brain and, you know, artistic sensibilities. It just was the right fit for me. So. And then from there, I went to NCSA where I met John and uh, then I've been touring ever since. Yeah, I, I feel like you're one of several former students I've met from School of the Arts who I think attended that same high school in Florida. Is, is there a connection between that high school and School of the Arts? 
There, there is in that that high school really prepares the students and gives us access to learning about different college programs. And I think that that you know was a great was a great service to us. Otherwise, I would have no idea about you know where to find all these great schools. But they really helped set up the students for success, and they introduced us to unified auditions. I don't know okay. if it's the same for you, but they um, there's unified auditions in Chicago and in New York City. So basically you can just fly to one of those cities and a bunch of colleges are there doing interviews for their various theater programs. And so that's, you know, a big group of us from high school went and, and did that. So. And did you, you applied initially for the stage management program at School of the Arts? Yep. So I know that that's a, a, an intense program and I, I think they typically force you to that's the wrong word, <laughs> provide you with the opportunity to work in, in all the various arts disciplines. You know, we have uh, opera and dance and straight theater and musicals, but have, have you always been drawn to musical theater? No, um, I was actually drawn to Shakespeare. You know, okay. if, I, if I could tour Shakespeare, I would love to do that. You know, there doesn't seem to be a market for it these days, which is unfortunate. <laughs> I think there could be a market for it. Um, but no, in school, in school, I did it all, like we all do, um, enjoyed it all. I think that musical theater is just the direction to go if you want to tour, because that seems to be what is touring these days. So it was more, it's more out of the necessity of that particular item touring than loving musical theater more than anything else. And so did you come straight out of college and onto a tour? I did. So what, were you looking for touring or were you just looking for a gig and that's where you landed? You know, to be honest with you, I, leaving college, I didn't know where I wanted to go. And I had a bunch of student loan debt and <laughs> was trying to figure out what, what I could practically do. Um, I knew that touring would be great because I didn't have to live anywhere right off the bat and I could save up a bunch of money. So that's what I applied to do. And as it turned out, the company Networks Presentations puts out a lot of different shows on the road. And they had an opening on one of their shows that was going to China uh, as an assistant stage manager position on a tour going to China. And they said that I could have that position as a trial run so they could see, you know, how they liked me, how I liked touring. And so that was my first touring gig was wrapping up college and uh, a couple months later, hopping on a plane to China. Okay, so let's dive into that a little bit. <laughs> what, what was the show you toured in China? It's Shrek. So Shrek the Musical, which had done an, a national tour throughout the United States and Canada. Um, they took that production and brought it over to Shanghai for about a month. Okay, so you were were you just in Shanghai or were you going around China? I was just just in Shanghai. Okay, still obviously very much a tour. Um, so I'm curious, did they change things between like the Broadway production that was touring and what they brought over to to China, or was it the same show? It was the same show that was touring nationally. So the original Broadway show got pared down slightly for the first national tour of Shrek. This is typical with most tours. And then from there, that tour got pared down a little bit more. 
for the version that was touring around the States at the time in 2012. And then they took that exact same production and brought it to China. The only things that were different in that particular theater in Shanghai, all of the line sets for all this moving scenery were all automated. So mm. we had to sit with the translator and the automation programmer and program all the different pieces to move by button instead of by a human pulling a rope. But other than that, it was the same physical production that was brought over. Um, I know the lighting department had some trials and tribulations getting power, the appropriate, mm. you know, power conversion, things that go way above my head. <laughs> but other than that, it was, it's pretty much the same show. That's, that's an interesting thought. I'm sure, John, you've done infinitely more with lights than I have, but I imagine you were, you were touring with your own package of everything and then having to make it work in China. Wow. I never even would have thought about that. So you come right out of college and you hop on Shrek and you go to China. It seems to have been enjoyable because I think you've pretty much been touring ever since, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's always, you know, one show's led to another. So I wrapped up with Shrek and then did the first national tour of Elf, which was a little wild because it was the first time that show had ever toured. And it was just me. There was no assistant. It was really? Not yes. So it was just little old 22-year-old Kelsey <laughs> um, and this, this big, huge, brand new show. So it was a little, a little wild, but it was a lot of fun. Very rewarding. It's a fun, jazzy show. I love Elf. I think I heard it's going out again this season on another, another tour somewhere. But yeah, a lot of fun. And then from there, just show after show, one's led to another. I've been lucky in that way. I'm curious, um, as you've gone from show to show, I mean, some of the shows that you have listed, uh, you, like you said, you did the, the first national of Elf the Musical. You did the first national tour of Finding Neverland, A Bronx Tale, also first national, once again, first national of Once on this Island, first national of The Prom, which I mean, all of these are just, I mean, you know, quaint little shows, I'm sure that are... <laughs> Shows you could probably run in your sleep. Um, ha hashtag sarcasm for those who are not following. Um, as you move from show to show, do you find that the process, the idea of tour life and running these shows, is there a bit of a familiarity jumping from show to show? Or is it you're basically starting over from day one and each tour is its own unique beast? You know, it's it's honestly a little of both. So in certain ways, you know, once you find your formula for your paperwork, right, you can use that same kind of formula and style everywhere you go. Once you, you know, hone in on your, the way you want to manage your production, you can bring that from show to show and, and that brings the familiarity. I think that each show is also such a different beast, especially because every director is so different. And so much of the job of the PSM is to maintain the way that the director wants the production to go. And that changes very drastically between production to production. Um, additionally, I mean, you know, it's, there's differences in, in scenery and differences in the way the lighting designers have cued things. But beyond that, it's all, it's all sort of the same as well in that, you know, you know how to build your calling script, you know how to build your blocking book. It's all kind of rinse and repeat at that point. The, the big variable I would say is 
the different styles of the various directors. When you work on these first national tours, are you working with the same directors who directed the Broadway productions? Yes. Yes. When it's a first national, a lot of times the director will want to have, you know, almost like a second chance of getting to redo or tweak things that they wanted to change on Broadway, but never got a chance to. So a lot of times they'll have their hands in it. The associate directors often will maintain the show once it's set, but in the beginning and the rehearsal period, a lot of the time it's the same, the same director. Is there any overlap? Um, you talked about work um, for First National Tours, t- working with the same director who's worked with it on Broadway. If you're trying to work up a show to go on the road that's currently still on Broadway, do you have any interaction with that production team, uh, their production stage manager, their assistants, or do they kind of exist as two separate entities? They mostly exist as two separate entities. Um and often the shows that I've done have either been closing or just recently closed on Broadway before they send out the tour. So a lot of times, sometimes we'll get to inherit paperwork from them, from the, the Broadway, which is always helpful to not have to completely redo, reinvent the wheel there. Um, but but usually it's, it's very separate. I'm curious, um, kind of looking more small scale what what is a normal day in the life for you i mean say you've sat down in city x and you have it like what what does your day look like yeah it's a little easier to talk about a a typical week than a day because every day of the week is kind of a little funky and different okay okay so often we travel on mondays um and if it's not a super complex theater we won't start loading on Mondays if it's if it's complex, if the loading dock situation is funky or if it's a tricky, it's tricky for the crew, we'll start loading on Monday night. Tuesday, we're in the theater at 6 a.m. to begin loading. We go all day Tuesday straight up until the show, just building everything, taking everything off the trucks um, and assembling it. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday are usually just nighttime shows. And in the afternoons, we often do rehearsal. So we'll have understudy rehearsal, um, which is I teach the understudies their show. Um, We don't travel with a director. So that task on the road falls to the PSM. Um, We'll do that. We'll do brush up rehearsal to maintain the choreography. We'll do music rehearsal for the singing. Um, And then the weekend is usually two shows on Saturday and two shows on Sunday. And then if we're only in town for a week, then that Sunday night after the show is loadout. And so the crew will stay for an additional five hours to pack it all up and then repeat. How do you know if a theater is going to be difficult? Like, is it at this point, it's just like, you know which venues are going to be trouble or do they warn you in advance? Like, hey, just FYI, our theater sucks. <laughs> no, it's, it's yeah. we know in advance because, um, you know, at, at this point I've played many of them already, but also there's paperwork available. There's advanced, there's, we call them tech specs. So there's the tech specs, right? That, that say our loading dock is this size, or you have to take a forklift to get to forklift all the stuff off the truck in our venue, because we can't back the truck up to the dock itself, or it's a ramp down. So you have to ramp everything off the truck to then ramp it back up into the building. So you, you know, those things going in. Or, you know, some places will have a four truck dock where you can park all four, literally all four trucks right there. And then others will be, nope, it's one at a time. 
So depending on that situation or the size of the stage, even if you know that it's going to be a small stage and you've got a tough loading situation, you're going to want to start loading in earlier so that you have time to squish everything in and arrange it all and make it work. Uh, speaking of potentially complex load in, load out, um, one of the shows you've worked on once on this island, um, most recent revival, all my all my theater friends, everything, on top of it being just an absolutely beautiful production, one of the things they talked about was the set and the fact that it was basically it was a beach. I mean, it was it was a sand, it was it was sand. I mean, there's just no two ways around it. Did that get replicated for the tour in what like what was that process like? Yeah, it did get replicated for the tour. Um, we did pretty much that revival on the road. They had It was in Circle in the Square Theater, and so they had seating in the round. We had seating on stage, because we, we played proscenium houses, which are typical for road houses, but we, had, we built seats on stage. We built the sand pit. The entire floor was just covered in sand. We had a, our pool full of water. We had tons of live fire. They all brought out torches. The only thing we didn't replicate were the animals. We we talked about it, but we couldn't, <laughs> we couldn't figure out. I know it was a whole thing. We couldn't figure out the touring of the chickens. There was talk about auditioning chickens in every market and bringing in local farmers, but Actors Equity didn't feel that that would be the safest thing for us to do so we didn't, didn't feel good about the local chickens in minnesota you know i was like really excited to be the one auditioning these chickens <laughs> so it bummed me out slightly but kelsey what would you be looking for in your dream chicken you know it, it's got to be a little feisty but also not take away from the action of the stage you know it's gotta it's gotta know its place it's gotta be able That's to throw a in, you know so yeah, a little a little feisty, but good at throwing focus where focus needs to be. <laughs> I can only be. I mean, but you, I mean, how the hell did you tour with sand? We had special sand from Canada delivered to every venue, so it was this special hypoallergenic, didn't produce dust. Wow! Uh, this magical sand. That so you got have. you got new sand for each venue? Correct. Okay. For sanitary reasons, you know. Sure. That makes sense. That sounds expensive. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and in the winter, it was awful because it would get so cold. And so it would just mm. be sitting on the loading dock waiting for us to arrive. And it would be frozen. And they would smush it out. And it would be... The actors were all barefoot in the show, in the sand. So... <laughs> Sometimes in those colder months, we just had all the space heaters going backstage that we could find. Wow. You know, all the lights blasting, like as long as we could pre-show to try to try to warm it up. That is commitment. Yeah. Oh, and it rained. It rained on stage too. I forgot that element. We had it rain. So do you, I mean, okay, you, you're bringing in sand. You're wanting to do it with people sitting on stage. It has to rain. Did that limit the venue options that you had? Nope. They designed it in such a way, Dane Laffrey, brilliant scenic designer, reimagined his original concept to tour. So we had a whole rig. Um, it was hung up in the air, this whole rig that produced rain. 
um, our little pool, again, we would just drain it and then refill it every, every new city. And, you know, we treated it like a pool. It had chlorine and it had little test strips of making sure the water was sanitary and everything. And yeah, and the, the audience on stage, that was always sort of a logistical, I wouldn't say nightmare, but it was a logistical uh, thing. It was a thing. Every new place that we went, just organizing with each venue, how we wanted to get the audience to those seats, because not every venue has a direct path. So sometimes you have to walk them through the backstage or outside and around. And then once they're seated, they can't leave. And if they do have to leave, it's a whole thing. Someone has to come out and like escort them back and around from wherever they were, but they all know those seats know in advance, once you're here, you have to stay here. So it's just complicated, but it was fun. So I think traditionally speaking, the, the, the primary stage manager, the person calling the show usually has a station set up just off stage on one side or the other. I have seen some rather crazy places that stage managers have called shows from. I'm curious, have you had any experiences having to call a show from a, an unusual place? Oh yeah, all the time. I mean, especially in, in smaller theaters, I can remember on Beauty and the Beast, we, I forget where we were, but it was somewhere that was very small and we had the call desk so that that calling set up outside. So we were quite literally sitting outside in the parking lot and they ran cable to us and we just <laughs> called the show from the parking lot, like you do. Um, there are some times where you'll have to call in the basement or in like in the trap room, um, <laughs> which is always fun. Um, but yeah, you just kind of, I don't know, my philosophy is I'll go wherever you can fit me, you know, where like wherever they can fit the desk, it's like, that's fine. Ideally, I like to be on stage, but it's not the end of the world. You know, it's more important to have the stuff safely fit on stage than it is for me to physically be there. You remember our beloved DeMille Theater. I do. I think, I think a year or two after you graduated, we did a show where they ended up having to build a platform about 10 feet off the air on the stage left side that the stage manager was like had to climb up a ladder to and be placed in. And then the ladder had to be removed because they had this giant like 20 by 20 house that swung on and off stage. And that was the only place they could find to put the stage manager. So right now you're on tour with the prom, correct? Yes. Next week for our listening audience, we're going to be releasing an episode about the prom, but I would love to, to hear some of your perspectives about the show. If there are things that you love about the show or details or behind the scenes things that you'd like to share, I'm sure our audience would be fascinated to hear about that kind of stuff. Oh, sure. The prom is just so much fun, I will say. I think that out on the road, we have a really good company. Um, everyone's just happy to be telling this story every night. It's cool that our two leads who are in love in the show are also in love in real life, which is fun Aww. and sweet. Yeah, it's it's just the audiences really respond to it. And every time I go out and note from front of house, there's always, you know, patrons that want to open up about their own stories and how the prom has really touched them and how it, it's telling their story on stage about, you know, their coming out stories and them finding love. And so I think, I think it's a really powerful show that has a great message to it. Um, the music is fun. 
the band that we travel with is is really lovely um and they're you know doing a great job we just had a transition recently with swapping in and out some of our band members but i think we've locked it in now um yeah it's just it's a fun show it's a fun show to work on this is our last week we're closing oh my goodness sunday yeah so things have been a little a little bananas but we've been out on the road for a little over a year and yeah the tour's closing closing this weekend so do you have a next show in your sights i have a couple of options right now i'm just trying to get through this one and mm-hmm. then we'll you know we'll see what's next after that you've been touring for a while now are you looking to to find a place to work where you get to be in one spot or are you still wanting to live that road life you know, I think I, I've got a few more years of the road life in me, and I think I'm going to do it until I can't anymore. You know, it's it's great to be able to see the country. It's yeah. great to meet a bunch of people. It's great to run into a lot of the touring or the, the road stagehands that you've met before. It's great to come back and see them again. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's just, it's fun. You know, it's a weird life, that's for sure, but it's fun for now. I'm curious, do you have a, a favorite venue that you look forward to getting to go back to? You know, I have some. It's, it's hard because you really sometimes don't get to see a lot of the town. So you'll see, you know, the theater and the hotel and that sometimes it, depending on how much rehearsal you have going on that week. Um, it's so hard to pick a, a favorite. I have several that are enjoyable. I think that... Anywhere in Colorado is really cool. LA is always nice. Philadelphia is fun. Um, West Palm Beach and Fort Lauderdale and Florida are nice as well. Just sometimes nice meaning there's a great local crew there. You know is going to take care of you. There's plenty of room for all of your stuff. So you don't have to worry about, you know, altering the show too much because it won't fit. And you just feel like we're doing our, the best version of our show in these, in these certain houses. Now I would never ask you to say anything negative about any local crew person, but is there a physical venue, a space that you see pop up on a schedule that just makes you hang your head in defeat in advance of knowing what you're going to have to deal with when you go to that theater? Oh yes. Oh Yes. There's, um, I don't know if I should, should I, (laughs) should I, I will say though, that it's a, you know, if you talk to any other touring person, I think the feelings are all the same. (laughs) Everyone knows what the the venues are that everyone's like, oh my gosh, it's places like Wheeling, West Virginia, Burlington, Vermont, which love Vermont. I love Vermont. That theater is a challenge. Um, where else is a challenge? The National in Washington, D.C., a mm. challenge. The Gamage in Tempe, Arizona. Oh, yeah, oh, I've been in that building. Beautiful, but a challenge. It's tough. I mean, that's one of those things. Uh, that's a Frank Lloyd Wright designed venue yes. that has all those Frank Lloyd Wright design quirks but then you need it to be practical and it's just kind of not (laughs) not yeah so sometimes seeing those or peoria illinois 
Reno, Nevada, Fresno, California. They're just some that you just know. You just know you're going to have a tough load in. It's just going to be tough. <laughs> nothing against the people, nothing against the city, nothing against anything. Just, you know, it's going to be a struggle to get your show to fit. And you're going to do it because that's what we do. That's our job. And you're yeah, going to make you, it work. And- you, you kind of casually mentioned, did you say you have four trucks? That feels like a lot of trucks. <laughs> it's a small number of trucks compared to some other shows that are out there on the road. The, you know, I think about, I interned at the Fox Theater in Atlanta years and years ago while I was still in school and the music box tour of Phantom came through and that was 18 trucks. <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> So a lot of why? How could you possibly need that many things? There's so much hard scenery that doesn't break apart into little pieces. And there Mm. are so many gondolas and gondolas of costumes and all of the lighting. And that big old chandelier probably is like a whole truck itself, if you think about it. And gondolas, literal gondolas, just literal literal also gondolas, yes. Wow. So Kelsey, I have one more question for you. Uh I noticed on your resume that you you list amongst your skills the ability to play trumpet. And I'm curious, has this ever come in handy for you in, in your theatrical career? You know, it's come in handy as a, as a talking point on occasion, more than anything. Um, I have not needed to utilize my trumpet skills, although I have offered them uh, sort of sarcastically, but also potentially really when one of our trumpet players was running late to a show uh, <laughs> and we ended up holding the show for them to arrive. I did mention if, I, if my services were needed, <laughs> to just let me know. Um, but no, it's just, it's, you know, I, I took band class in middle school and a little bit in high school and it's just a fun, a fun anecdote at this point. Well, I imagine for you, particularly having done so much musicals, being able to read music is probably a fairly significant boon in terms of calling a show. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Kelsey, thank you so much for making some time in your very busy schedule to talk to us. It's been such a treat to to see you and to hear about everything that you're doing. If our audience wants to know more about you and, and what you're up to, where can they go to find out? I do have an Instagram, so do my cats. So if you want to follow myself yes. or my cats, at Kelsey Tippins is me. Um, and then there's a little link to, to follow my cats too. So follow those cats. They're super cute. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for being here, Kelsey. Thank you for having me. It's been a blast. Well, that should just about do it for this episode. If you'd like to reach out to us, you can drop us a line at musicalminutespodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Facebook at Musical Minutes with John and John, or on Twitter at Musical Mins Pod. That's Musical M-I-N-S Pod. Intro and outro music, Bebop 25, is provided under the Creative Commons Attribution 4.0 International License by Jason Shaw on Audionautics.com. Thank you for joining us. I'm John. And I'm John. And we'll see you next time.